0: Welcome to the How to Raise Money podcast for anyone who wants to raise other people's money for a business or property venture. Right now, there has never been more money on the planet and there has never been more opportunity. This podcast will help you put the two together. So if you need money for your business or property proposals from banks, lenders, angels, whales or dragons, this is the podcast for you. So here we are. It's the How to Raise Money podcast, the final of 2020. I am Ray McLennan.
1: and I'm Nigel T Best. Ray, <laughs> are you ready to sum up 2020? This oh could take God. a while, couldn't it? I oh mean, there's so, there's so many positives. Is, it? <laughs> is yeah, this? One, this is one of those three million in, in no agenda. One of those yeah.
0: no agenda podcasts where we haven't got a list, but we might come up with the top ten, top eleven, top three. I don't know. We'll see
1: yeah no i I think so i think it's um you know it's about time that we reflect and sometimes um in reflection it turns rapidly into a rant Mm -hmm. and and we're gonna try and be restrained aren't we we're not gonna rant too much but before we get going i've just got to say this one thing i am absolutely no no (laughs) we won't we won't go down this rant thing at the moment you'll see anyone watching this (laughs) when it comes out on the youtube channel you will see. I am sporting a natty sticker.
0: Natty sticker, jumper. did
1: you see? A natty sticker. Yeah. <laughs> Use your words carefully. <laughs> a natty. Oh right. Okay. A natty sticker. Um, what is that sticker? I hear you cry. Yeah. Yeah. From nobody at from all. Nobody. Nobody's interested. But this sticker says, "I have had my COVID vaccine jab." Right. You were absolutely horrified that I... Well, Nigel,
0: I... Okay, we need to probably tell the background of why, because, you know, fit, young, healthy chap like you, you shouldn't be getting vaccinated. I thought it was for the... You know, I mean, after as the vaccine was tested, according to the BMJ, as the vaccine was tested on 28,000 people from 18 to 50 with no underlying medical health issues or who never took tablets... How come now they're dishing it out to the over-80s who take a cocktail of drugs? And what put you into that bracket?
1: Well, I, I don't know the answer to the first bit. <laughs> <laughs> and and I think uh, it's, it's purely down to my role, Ray, uh, mm-hmm. involved in, in care, so uh, care of the elderly. Um, and, uh, and so they, they wanted to make sure that uh, all the staff in uh, care homes at the moment are... Uh, vaccinated uh, along with the population of over 80 and uh, and uh, it it will come out to the residents in care home so uh, yeah I went and had my jab and I have to say it is remarkably efficient there's an awful lot of volunteers they're doing a very good job it was a very cold wet day Um, involved you can't beat you can't beat getting the elderly population outside in December to stand them in a queue for 45 minutes you know it's a, it's a you know survival of the fittest never mind vaccinate them uh, but but you know it's all gone from what i saw over the course of about an hour and a half incredibly smoothly uh, the volunteers are doing an amazing job um, uh, as well as the professionals there are professionals there it's not just turn up have a go at vaccinating people uh, and it's very quick uh, you then sit and wait for 15 minutes to make sure that you have no adverse immediate reaction, and then you are on your way. And, uh, you know, I have to say, apart from the fact that my arm fell off earlier this morning, um, you know, nothing, I have not noticed anything. No, it's, it's all good, it's all good. Hey, Ray, I, I mean, let's hope, let's hope that vaccination programs across the world enable, you know, the world to get back to some sort of normality. Uh, mm. Because at the moment, just to give some context, at the moment, we've got, uh, I mean, coronavirus, COVID-19 is mutating all the time. And uh, we, have, we have just had all our borders slammed shut and nothing to do with our favourite subject of Brexit. Uh, this is their excuse. Uh, and, and they have closed the ports couple of days before Christmas. And uh, yes, we're in interesting times, aren't we? But anyway, that's that's why I've got a little badge, uh, a little sticker stuck to me uh, to say, congratulations, you've had an, a vaccine injection. There you are.
0: Oh ah, well, there you are. One, one down. So how many people in the care home? How many people are in your care home?
1: Uh, well, we have 35 residents and we have uh, probably the same number plus of staff and did you all have to go and get done at the same
0: time or i'm just uh, imagining no, this home no, no, emptying. That, that,
1: no that that would be chaos that would be chaos no uh our residents will be vaccinated in the care home
0: Ah, um, right. Okay.
1: It, it's too too difficult awkward and risky really to try and organize uh the moving of people mm. uh, for that so uh, no they're doing that but it was uh, it was quite good because they organized it quite close to a cluster of care homes so the staff could actually walk up uh, and get vaccinated which was good
0: all right okay and was which it, like, it which they makes got, it like, have they got like mobile porter cabins or something I'm just no
1: this to... was in uh, one of the uh, i assume it's one of the council's many buildings
0: all right okay i'm just trying to visualize it being a visual person i was just trying to picture it in my mind there anyway.
1: yeah a, lo- a lovely old building um big rooms lots of space uh and you, you're kind of going through the main door you, you have lots of form filling so that they know who's on it. So there's a lot of uh, checking to make sure that you are who you are and where you are. And, and also because this is the vaccine where you've got to go back three weeks later oh, yeah. to make, they want to make sure that people uh, are, are made aware of the date to return um, and all those sort of things. But uh, yeah, there we go. I, I mean, an awful lot easier than, you know, rewind eight, nine months, when the only testing place for our staff many of whom who don't have their own transport uh, was sort of 30 miles away and uh, the rules were you couldn't use public transport and you couldn't accept a lift so, <laughs> so we had no way of testing anyone okay. okay but there we go anyway what's that got to do with raising money
0: what's that going to do with raising money? well it sort of sums up the year doesn't it i mean a cap to the end of the year that um you know, uh, all the money is being used um, on lots of different other things. I mean, Again, we say it time and time again, the same amount of money is out there. It just moves to different things. And uh, we've seen that um, lots of government money moving in different directions. But lots of private money is moving in different directions as well. Lots of people that have money. Are seeing it. Some of them are seeing it build up in the bank, and that is making them nervous because they don't like to have their money sitting in a bank that's earning hardly anything. And uh, there's also, you know, if anything, if anything goes wrong, and there's a bit of a run in the banks. Then eighty five thousand pounds is the limit that you can get under the the scheme, unless, of course, you transfer your money to the National Savings Bank, in which case it goes up to a million pounds. But um, yeah. How to raise money. Lots of people sort of asking me what I think about next year, asking us what we think about next year, what's going to happen. I think next year, in terms of raising money, the emphasis ought to be on you, if you're listening to this as a developer, on finding investors, people that you know, people that are close to you, people that you have some form of relationship with. Um, There will be more of them, as it were, with, with more money sitting around wondering what to do. So if you uh, build up your relationships with them, then uh, it can be mutually beneficial. As you go to do your developments or your business, you can borrow from people that you know.
1: Yeah, uh, I mean, I I think the the key thing for next year is everyone's got to do their bit. Everyone's got to get out there and try and kickstart the economy. Uh, we can't just sit around and wait for handouts. We've got to get out there. So we've got to, you know, encourage people to you know. Start, keep going, get going, whatever it is. And in order to do that, I see, right? I mean, we've done a bit of a predictions uh, podcast episode already, yep. but I see more private money, more pension money going out there to help these smaller developers take on uh, these projects where the big boys are, are kind of, you know, they've already got themselves sorted. Um, and they're looking at different things, and there's a big gap in the market where I think people, you know, will get this private money, this pension money, when the banks still trying to sort themselves out, still trying to work out what's going on. Um, you know, it, it's going to be. But 2020. Let's have a, let's have a look back at 2020. Oh. Um, <laughs> right. I, I think the theme has been delay and confusion. Every everything else, realistically. Was that a balance from the 80s? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Maybe. I don't remember the 80s, obviously. <laughs> of course um, you
0: don't. You've had that vaccine. Your memory's
1: gone. <laughs> <laughs> Who said that? Um, yeah, it, it's one of these things that, uh, you know, whatever the human, human beings face, they seem to be able to overcome. And necessity is the mother of invention. And I think that's happened with the vaccine and and ways of trying to sort this out. But also, I think it's the way, you know, that people have tried to find, find finance and sort that out as well. And I think it'll keep happening. I think there will be inventive new ways of people raising money. And I think that my top tip would be get on the forums, get in the Facebook groups, get on LinkedIn, start asking the question. We had Thor Holt talking about we should learn to ask better questions i think if you are looking for money you need to get out there and ask people what are you, what are your plans for your money next year what are you thinking of doing what would you like to get involved in uh, all these questions you need to get out there see what people are doing and they might say hey do you know what i've just you know spoken to overseas investors they're still very keen or i've just spoken to pension trustees and they're very keen you know you need to get out there and ask questions. And Ray, you know, the sources of finance pretty well. Um, Those family offices as well, they're not going to pull up the drawbridge, they're going to still look for returns. And when there's a crisis like this across the economy, the returns can be incredible. I mean, let's face it, you could have a factory that has been making you know, exhaust pipes. And then you get a government contract to make face masks for 250 million. You know, there is money out there, isn't there? For these things. You just need to be in the right networks. That's all it is. The right place at the right time. Uh,
0: One point you touched on there was about overseas money. Uh, There is, uh, because of um, the other great thing that happened, great as in large, as in all consuming, uh, rather than fantastic, um, is the Brexit negotiations and all that. Now, what that's done is that's led to a number of people looking to put money into the UK. Now, when you have, and I, people approach me, and several have over the last few months saying, oh, I've met this chap, he's got a contact in name of country, China, Singapore, the Far East, the Middle East, the Philippines, blah, 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 and they want to invest money into the UK. So how do we go about it? now what i do then is i just immediately put them in touch with uh, our lawyer who can deal with that quite well put them in touch with him uh, he has a chat with them and usually sets them straight now what it what uh, one thing i want to say about anybody who's ever uh, had an approach from someone abroad or had an approach from lenders abroad or anything like that is to be absolutely careful because there's money laundering regulations that have to be followed very strictly but usually it won't get that far i'll tell you why because someone will contact your broker or something from overseas approaches you as a developer knowing having seen you on linkedin seen you on facebook know that you're doing things they might not say that but what they will do is target you with emails that say that they can access money from abroad Uh, they've got access to millions you know if you're doing development in the millions blah 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 we can get you these rates fantastic rates and it looks great absolutely brilliant and then what they will do is lead you on a bit of a merry dance and then what they will do is to say okay before we transfer the money we need to do diligence on you Uh, that requires our law firm to to talk to your law firm okay which and it all sounds very plausible and very brilliant Uh, and and then then comes the comes the sting, which is that their money is required for something. There'll always be money required from something. It won't be huge. It'll be a small amount um, that just makes you think, you know, a few hundred pounds, something like that, just to get sort of past the first hurdle. And then that's when they've got you and the sting gets bigger. It's basically an advance fee fraud. Lots of it around companies that look le- eligible, uh, eligible, look uh, legible, look um, trustworthy, credible, et cetera. Credible. Credible—that's the word I'm looking for, trustworthy, etc. Um, but just not there. Now, there are some companies that are based in the UK that offer to do this as well. So you can go to the the FCA has a website where you can check and find out uh, any company name. You can check the FCA website and find out if they are legitimate or not, and they'll yeah. tell you straight away. Now, lots of these companies have name—you know—names that are very closely allied to financial institutions in the UK that on the surface look good you know Um, the name of private banks has been slightly twisted the name of companies that you know and love JP Morgan's a good one there's all sorts of you know Morgan financial this and Morgan institutional that so they'll twist the name in just a slight way uh, that makes you at first glance think oh this looks great but it's not um, and most of the, the big legitimate companies that are in this country know that, but when they target you direct, you know, then you start to think, oh, you feel a little bit special because someone is trying to give you some money. But it, un- and unfortunately, it nearly always ends in tears. So if you've okay. ever been approached by that, take care, look out, get in touch with us if you wanna to speak to that lawyer. But I would say your first step is to go to the FCA website, check there and find out if they are there. Spend 10 minutes doing a search online and that will usually be enough to uh, to put you off put it that way
1: yeah i mean it, it's very sound advice is that ray because it is it it panders to your ego the fact that you feel you've been picked out as a potential developer and there's nothing worse than your own pride pride comes before a fall as they <laughs> say and and this is it but this morning so i'm just looking at some of my emails and um, you know, I've got uh, a doctor, Michael W. David, who says uh, I'm a fund beneficiary. I've got an overdue inheritance that's coming in. I've got uh, a MoneyGram agent who says uh, seven, my first deposit of $7,000 was was sent today. So uh, <laughs> that, that gives a bit of a clue. I've got uh, attention in capitals, attention, beneficiary. Um, please, we are very Sorry. For all the problems, you know, this is all in caps lock, you know. Oh, two and a half million. Um, and it uh, it could be transferred at five thousand dollars a day to me, which is nice. I've got an ambassador who is saying that uh, you know, uh, I should be there, and then uh, I've got Mrs. Mavis who uh starts off talking to me in German. Uh, sie haben eine Spende von fünf millionen dollar um you know so there's that there i've got another one that's investment oh i've got a donation someone wants to donate two and a half million so this ladies and gentlemen you know this is the easiest episode of this podcast ever how to raise money uh, <laughs> because you can just simply reply to any of these emails and all of these have come in this morning for me for and, you, um morning. yes for me um oh i've even got one ray you'll be impressed at this i'm gonna name drop on this i'm gonna drop the mic at the end of this one. Hi, (laughs) my name is Warren E. Buffett, an American business magnate, (laughs) Um, investor and philanthropist, and am the most successful investor in the world. I believe strongly in giving while living. Uh, I had one idea that never changed my mind. Two and a half million coming my way because of that. And he's got a very convincing email of wbuffer802 at gmail.com so if you want to raise money for other people by giving yours away to scams and email things just reply to those emails but that that is in my spam folder um So of you know, yeah, yeah, you can't. It, it is so true. Um, you have, you have know, to take you your hat got, off to them. Yeah. 10 out of 10 for trying, I'll tell you that. <laughs> well, this is it. You know, uh, we are from Microsoft, uh, a, a big <laughs> computer comp- company and things like that. Now, when people say, well, this is ridiculous because there's spelling mistakes in there. There's obvious things. It's ridiculous. Why would someone give you two and a half million for no apparent reason? Mm-hmm. Uh, why do they do this why do spammers still do this because they still get a return on their time and money okay so this is something that uh, as Ray says if you are looking for overseas investment if you are looking to raise money from unusual sources um I will I, I will give you a, a sort of analogy on this one so I've already said I'm in the care business and when people are coming to inspect us they do it in a three or four different angle way of doing it. So they will talk to the residents, they will talk to the staff, they will talk to me, they will talk to the families, uh, and then they will talk to the healthcare professionals, um, the doctors, the uh, visitors, and uh, other people that come in, and the council and local authority. And they will say, well, if, if the opinion of all those groups aligns, then it must be pretty pretty close to being certainly correct. Yeah. The trouble is when people go for these overseas money things, uh, it's very hard to get opinions on something that no one really knows. So you're only ever getting that one person. So it would be like going in, uh, inspecting our business. And I was the only one who spoke about it. Now, I'm always going to big up the business. I'm always going to tell the positive side of things. Yeah. Um, but obviously, I don't see everything that happens all day, every day. But if you only spoke to me, you'd go, wow, that is amazing. That is, that is incredible. You know, that is absolutely fantastic. But really, you need another opinion uh, just to see whether I am being wholly accurate, honest, uh, with integrity, whatever it is. Yep. And it's only, it's only when we have had some inspections come back. And the inspectors actually sat down and said to us, they said, well, when we asked the first person and they said that, we thought you'd paid them off then when we asked the second person we thought god they've spent some money getting these people in to do this um and then they said and then we asked families and then we asked the uh, district nurses and then we asked the gps and we went well, it was really rather disappointing that they all had the same high opinion of you and uh and he thought yeah there there you go ruin the inspector's day when uh, when they couldn't find anything nasty to say um but this, this is it. When you have those overseas people, it is very hard to get that opinion uh, from other professionals. So local lawyers, um, solicitors, accountants, other people, other business people in that country, mm. because it's, it's very, there's too many layers and it's, it's hidden. Um, but, Ray, I mean, overseas investment, it is genuine. It is, yes, it, it, is, is yes, it is,
0: genuine, there are, there are lots of genuine overseas investors, there are lots of genuine um, brokers in this country that have access to that, we know who they are, and we know the ones that, that, uh, that are not genuine, Um we, we've also, uh, this is going to sound like a sort of episode of, of something on the TV, but we have been known to use a, a private investigator, when, uh, when something has looked, you know, looked good, looked too good to be true, uh, has passed through certain filters. Maybe even the lawyer has looked at it and thought, mm, I'm not quite sure about this one. And then you can there are good private investigators out there who have access to databases. You know they pay for them, they're legitimate, It's not all black hat stuff. Um, but there are lots of databases out there that, that you know perhaps you you can you can access, but you have to pay a lot of money for. Um, and and he has access to those we use him, and then he digs digs a little bit deeper so he's he's found us a
1: couple that are genuine and he's also found us a couple that are not genuine so okay right uh, i mean that that is great uh, info for people you know to do something like that do a bit of research a bit of background checking due diligence and all the rest of it mm. what sort of what sort of cost would that involve to get someone in to do a uh, you know i'm sure there's a, a a simple a more detailed and a very detailed analysis that people can yeah. do but what what sort of figures are people looking at to do some background um, checking.
0: The last the last one, uh, the, the, the bill was about 450 quid. Okay.
1: 450
0: quid um, for a quite, a quite a detailed sort of check. Um, the most I think we've ever paid is about 1500 pounds. And that was um, for, it was for overseas title, property title overseas, that sort of thing. So it was someone who was, uh, a company who was declaring that they own certain assets and things. And uh, they wanted to They wanted to put some of those assets forward as security and they were unencumbered assets. Um, I I can't remember the background details of it, but the the general gist was we needed to find out if they owned those overseas assets. It took a little bit of digging. Uh, They did, in fact, it was all genuine. But uh, yeah, it cost about 1,500 quid, but that was was very well spent. Um, And I reckon, yeah. And there was a couple of times when he's dug into some um people who claimed that they were investors but it didn't seem to stack up um and we didn't we didn't understand what what their what their point was coming to us to try and you know say that we can lend money but they didn't actually have any money so i don't i don't know nothing as strange as folk as you probably heard say before but yeah, uh, yeah. you know and online it all seemed well superficially it seemed there and but but you know that way where sometimes something doesn't quite stack up you don't quite know what it is you just get a gut feeling um and so that needed to be verified and that's why we would
1: use
0: use your man um not not very often i mean don't get me wrong maybe we've maybe used him three times in a year or something it's not huge amounts
1: no but the the thing is right for something like that if you were looking at it you wouldn't hesitate about paying conveyancing solicitors to do uh, the usual searches and checks and all the rest of it. Yeah. And if, and if you're talking about four or five hundred to fifteen hundred pounds, so a couple of thousand dollars, you might be looking to do a deal in the hundreds of thousands or millions. So yeah. it is a fraction of uh, you know of of what's going to go on. So that makes really good sense to do something like that. And yeah it is it is one of those things where you know you are just trying to double check so I've, I've got a, a building at the moment and I'm looking at renting it out and I'm trying to get the details of the person that wants to rent it and and actually nail down who is actually going to be in the building and what business it is and they're being so evasive with with giving the information and it's so hard and it's kind of well, that's
0: the alarm I mean, bells ringing right there
1: yeah there's something not right about this mm. and and what happens you know you get paid for the first month up front and then you get nothing else and then you find that it's almost impossible to actually get in and, and sort the thing out so yeah it's, it's one of minute, these things the next minute it's a cannabis factory <laughs> <sighs> yeah, it's already been that um yeah uh, <laughs> Um, I see okay yeah. moving on <laughs> uh, moving on moving swiftly on <clears throat> yes uh, so that that's good so there are legitimate routes uh for overseas investors Great, great tip there about doing a bit of uh, due diligence and getting someone independent to give you that uh, that second angle on things which as you say either confirms your gut feel or or it sort of makes you think twice um and and so that's really useful uh what else? Uh, 2020, um, <laughs> let's, let's have a think back. Uh, I mean, I don't think much has happened in 2020, has it really, apart from uh, the complete collapse and decline in customer service by people supposedly working from home?
0: Mm.
1: Um, yeah. Uh, what's your thoughts on that? Let's, uh, Ray, do you think people are going to be, because the, the problem that we've found uh, and, and many people we've spoken to this year, is the delays in people working from home have cost the people who are trying to do these developments, trying to do these investments, a large amount of money. Um, Do you think 2021, we are going to move back to working in cities, in towns, in offices, and customer service will speed up? Do you think it's gonna happen? Are we gonna be able to raise money easier and quicker than we have been able to this year?
0: All right. Well, there's a lot of questions in there. So let me address each one of them. So first of all, you said, are we going to be moving back into cities and offices and things? Um, From the groups that I have spoken to, and I'm I'm a member of a number of groups and forums and there's been Zoom calls, all the rest of it. The general feeling is that uh, commuting as we know it, office work as we know it has changed. That doesn't mean it's not going to happen because there are some uh, creative industries that need to be together. They need, to, they need to be in community. So the general feeling is that there will be some form of compromise of two days a week in the office or something like that. So that, that's the sort of first thing there. The next thing is uh, you talked about customer service and is customer service gonna get any better? Well, yes, it will. As more and more companies turn to artificial intelligence to deal with the frequently asked questions, which you know I mean, all of us have made a phone call uh, to a bank or to something only to be told, you know, it's a recorded message with something like, you know, yeah, hi, just in one word or in one phrase, please tell us what you're, you know, what you're, why you're calling. And, you, you know, if, if you're anything other than a Scotsman, you get
1: through quite quickly to what it is you want. But if it's me... <laughs> no, that, arts, that artificial intelligence is good then, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. If it's me, I had to quote my
0: postcode and my postcode is uh, NJ. You know, that's the last two, November Juliet, the last two parts of the postcode. Uh, But the the bot kept saying back, so your postcode is NG. No, it's NJ. I'm sorry, did I hear you correctly? Your postcode is NG. No, my postcode is NJ. Okay, let's try again. Please say your (laughs) postcode it's like if anyone has ever watched the video on youtube uh uh, the two scotsmen stuck in a lift Uh, it's a voice activated lift and they want to go to the 11th floor If you've ever watched that that's what my experience with that uh artificial intelligence bot was like um anyway i didn't throw the phone across the room i held my nerve and eventually i was put through to a human being who uh, after a, yeah a, a considerable period of time did solve the problem but i've noticed though quite a lot of the uh, organizations we deal with speak to um especially big financial institutions uh, you know when you call a number you know you don't get hello abc bank how can i direct your call you don't get that anymore you get the um, you know state the nature of your call and it and it's you've got at least a, a 15 to 20 minute dance with a robot, albeit quite good, uh, but you've still got that dance before you get anywhere. Which, considering uh, I was with a company that invested in voice activation, it was a Scottish company called Voice Secure. This was 10, 12 years ago, and they had voice activation. So in other words, what you could do, and, and this happens if you've got a private bank account with some private banks, is if I phone up a private bank that I have an account with, and I, and I get the bot, they know right away it's me, because of my voice. So I phone up and because of the number I've used as well, they know it's me. So they may say something, the bot might say something like, hello,
1: is that Mr. McLennan? What are you, what are you phoning up to whinge about this time, Mr. <laughs> McLennan, is that it? <laughs> but that's what they'll do. They'll say,
0: is that Mr. McLennan? I'll say, yes, it is. And they'll say, hello, Mr. McLennan, how can I direct your call? Now, I've tested this because I had a mate of mine with me and I phoned, we phoned up and he went, yes, it is. And it was, uh, it was. I'm afraid we don't recognise this call. Goodbye. <laughs> really? Yep. Hey. Very, very good. So the question is, why can't that be rolled out to all the banks? Why can't that be rolled out to all the banks? Because it's, it's not horrendously expensive, as far as I understand, because I spoke to the guy, a guy called Bob in Scotland. So if you're listening, Bob. Um, his company developed this voice secure 10-12 years ago and rolled it out to private banks. It's a brilliant, brilliant system and it, it must have improved massively over the years so it should be something that in terms of customer service voice activation is the way forward I think
1: Okay, so that is really going to impact hard on people who used to travel in to do these sort of roles
0: Yeah, yeah. Um,
1: in In terms of uh the ability to raise money do you think um these bots are going to be able to pre-screen people for that yes
0: yes yes they already are um in fact i was dealing with someone i have the paperwork on my desk in fact just 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 in the words of the of gabrielle just out of reach out of reach so there we are i've got it here um and a lot of this was computer generated. So I'm just looking here through some of the stuff. It's Very, very good. Uh, yeah, very good. So it was a, a, an application put through a lender for a client of ours. Uh, and I have to say, I was very impressed by the system, by the process behind it. It did make me, my eyebrows raise and go, ooh, I quite like this. And it's not often you get that when you're dealing with a lending institution that you get something like, oh, I quite like this. I like this system. It's a very good system. And uh, quite a lot of it is is computer generated until you get to a certain point. Now, I was talking to a a broker the other day, and he talked about a lot of people that are making applications for Corona business interruption loans. And And he said to me, there's a lot of companies out there that just computer says no. Simple as that. He said, what you need is a, is a lender you can tell a story to. <laughs> I quite like that. He said, s- so s- story, what did he call it? He had a phrase. I should have written it down, but it was like storytelling lenders or something like that. He said, they'll listen to you. It won't just be a question of computer says no. So, for example, um, the, the, there, was a, the, there is a, a, a company, a story of a business that was a family-owned business for 70 years. Family-owned business, uh, never never turned over in the last few years less than half a million pounds, and had uh, been advised for, you know, fam- for planning reasons, for legacy reasons, you know, the the, the it's a family business, but the family's now expanding you know, there are more brothers now who've now married and they've got children and so on, so the business is growing, and they wanted to create what they call bloodline trust planning, that sort of thing. And this was a couple of years ago. And the advice was that they should incorporate the business because it was trading effectively as a sole trader ship type thing or a partnership, one or the other, I can't remember. Anyway, they were asked to incorporate. So they incorporated the family business in January of this year and then had the bank accounts opened and all that kind of carry on. Same bank. okay? Business has been with the same bank for all these years, same bank, gone from being the family business unincorporated to the same business incorporated. Then the whole coronavirus thing hit. They make an application for a corona business interruption loan, and they don't qualify.
1: Why don't they qualify? Say
0: again?
1: Quad era (laughs) demonstrandum.
0: Why don't they qualify? They don't qualify because they haven't got enough turnover. And the owner of the business said, the bank manager, you've known me for years. This is insane. And he's like, yeah, but computer says no. (laughs) You fill in the form. Has your business been interrupted? Yes. How many staff have you got? Here we are. What was your turnover in the in the last, uh, it, you know, it was, it, you only qualify for 25% of the turnover and they had nothing. <laughs> Absolutely insane. So yeah, they ended up, uh, they had to go to a, where they could tell a story. Someone with a little bit of common sense needed to step in there and say, "You know, okay, let let us take a look at it. But most of them said, no, we can't. The British Business Bank have not allowed us to do this because the rules are quite strict. Now, I wrote a blog post in March. uh, Actually, it was on Facebook in March. And it was when, do you remember when the Chancellor, Richie Sunak, came out on the TV to announce his package for business? Do you remember that? It was one of the briefings, and he came out at sort of 5 yeah. o'clock, and he stood in front of the lectern with the flags behind him, and he gave this briefing, mm-hmm. and everyone was waxing lyrical about how he's going to be the next leader of the party and how he saved business, blah, blah, blah. I wrote a blog within one hour of his speech saying exactly what would go wrong because you could see. You, just, you could just see exactly what was going wrong. And, and rather than saying it's going wrong, pose a solution. So don't just say, ah, oh, you've made a mess of all this. You know, that's going to be ridiculous. I, I like to when somebody criticizes something, but then offers a solution. Says, perhaps you should look at this, or perhaps you should look at that, rather than just go, it won't work. Right. So I, I said it wouldn't work. And the reason it wouldn't work is because he handed control of this money over to the bankers. Now... We've tried to get a few bankers on this program. I'm happy to hear their side of things. I do hear their version in private conversations, but they won't come on a podcast because you know they might lose their job, or or people might people might be nasty to them, or something yeah. like
1: that. Or or every bank in the country will be burned to the ground with oh, probably minutes. yeah, yeah, exactly.
0: But you know, if you think about two thousand eight, two thousand nine, the, the, the there was a financial collapse brewing. Uh, and effectively, the British banking industry turned to the government and said, um, we're in this yet, we need 500 billion in 24 hours or the ATMs will stop working and the financial institutions will collapse and life as we know it will be gone. That's effectively what they said. So the government went, right, okay, here's 500 billion. That's, that's what happened. And then the banks systematically went around, um, some of them anyway, systematically, and no other way to describe it, raping and pillaging businesses. Uh, calling up uh, commercial loans that didn't need to be called up, devaluing things. Uh, There's a lot of class action still progressing through the courts now about that very very time and the methods they used. Um, So they were not friendly to British business. And this time round, they effectively said, this time round, it was British business that said to the government, we're in trouble, we need help, we need 500 billion, can you give it to us? And instead of the government going, yeah, there you go, what the government said was, well, um, you just fill in a few forms, do this, do that, jump through these particular hoops and we'll let the banks control the distribution of the money. That's effectively what Richie Sunak was saying. And my mind went right back to 2008, 2009, and I thought this is gonna be a cock up of almighty proportions. There will be lots of people that, that will get money, of course, but now we're starting to hear the stories about how organized crime waltzed off with billions. And we're hearing stories like that of family businesses who who don't qualify on a technicality and all of that rubbish. I mean, there's tons and tons of stories. You can, you know, you can, we could sit here and talk about loads of examples. I'd want to get their permission before giving out names and stuff, but uh, there, there's, there's a lot of tragic stories out there. Now, my solution at the time was instead of giving the money to British banks, what they should have done is did... Uh, uh, well, I'll use the analogy. Um, A lot of people compare Boris Johnson to, was he like Churchill? Boris Johnson is, you know, he he loves Churchill. He's written a book about Winston Churchill. Well, again, on my Facebook post, I wrote a speech for Boris Johnson, which he could use. I should probably look it up and say it here. But anyway, um, uh, the gist of it was that in the Second World War, Winston Churchill, when he took over in May 1940, noticed that there was a bit of a problem with aircraft manufacturing and the RAF were kind of all over the place manufacturing it they were infighting and all this sort of carry on so he immediately called upon his great friend Lord Beaverbrook who was in charge of newspapers and he said look Lord Beaverbrook he said you're you're a man that gets things done I'm going to put you in charge of aircraft production and he Beaverbrook said I know nothing about it he said doesn't matter you can kick ass and you can get things done and Beaverbrook was solely responsible for aircraft production. I won't go into all the details of what he did, but he fixed the problem. So I thought what Boris Johnson needs is someone like Lord Beaverbrook who can kick arse and get things done and who understands business. So I suggested that instead of giving the 500 billion to the banks to distribute, because they've still got their 2017, 2018, 2019 hats on and still thinking like banks and not realizing there's a pandemic out there, He should have put Lord Sugar in charge of distributing the money. That's what I think, and that's what they should have done, but they didn't. So there you go. Rant over. And by the way, if you want to read about the details of uh, Lord Beaverbrook or anything like that, it's in a book by Eric Larson called The Splendid and the Vile. There you go. Eric Larson, The Splendid and the Vile, a brilliant, brilliant book. And it's all in there about Lord Beaverbrook and how he's fixed um, aircraft production. But anyway,
1: wow. um, oh, ladies, yeah. well, ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, if you're still listening. Wow. <laughs> I mean, 2020, that's, that's ending on something. I mean, Ray, you touched on a few things about the banks. It was, um, yeah, we helped the banks out of a sticky situation. 10, 12 years ago, and it wasn't reciprocated uh, earlier this year. Yep, They're very short memories to bankers when it comes to uh, who's helped them and who hasn't. Uh, oh, yeah. And you only need, I mean, I've already said, I'm involved in, in care, uh, care homes. Um, if I said care home, RBS, financial crisis, then you may uh, be aware of everything that uh, we were put through. So I, I did, um, I was doing 20 hour days, for about six months trying to um, uh, stave off rbs coming in and, and effectively stealing our perfectly sound business yep. and, uh, yeah and that was a pretty pretty grim experience but uh, not for this podcast uh, because, uh, <laughs> that will make that will make Ray's rant look like a high praise indeed uh, I think the other thing is Uh, When you talk about uh, how the government present things and I've I've noticed uh, one of the things when we were talking to Thor and other people about how to pitch essentially 2020 if you want to see how people pitch ideas and whether people take those ideas on board and actually buy into them, Mm -hmm. then I think you could probably study all the all the pitches, the, uh, you know, the Prime Minister's uh, daily announcements. And you could probably analyze those and find out which ones landed and which ones missed, uh, which were good, which were bad. And to me, I've always uh, had the argument that um, instead of promising the earth and giving a handful of dirt, you should try doing it the other way around and say, I've got a handful of dirt and then deliver the earth. And it's, <laughs> it's one of these things that we, uh, we don't seem to do very well. And when Rishi Sunak uh, came on, I would have said, okay folks we've never been here before this is our initial plan what we will find is there will be businesses setups, situations people organisations that we uh, that are going to fall through the cracks this is what we've tried to do immediately
0: mm-hmm. what
1: i want to do is anyone that feels they've fallen through the cracks they need to contact this number or this website and we will systematically work through all the situations that people find themselves in that we as a government aren't nuanced enough or aware enough of what's going on then we can formulate a plan to see how we solve it
0: mm-hmm.
1: but they don't do it they what they do is announce something and say here is the rule here is the one size shoe and it will fit all and and they get it to me you, you're pre-framing things in the wrong way and the same thing happened with that Track and trace app, what they should have said, any developer at the moment, if you launch an app, if you launch some software, the one thing you do is you say, right, here, we're in beta testing. Mm
0: -hmm. Beta
1: testing means we want your feedback as to what works, what doesn't, what's good, what's bad, what should we develop further, what should we ditch, so that we can actually work on the product that you want. No, what they do is they announce, here's the app, it's brilliant, use it. At which point everyone goes, well, it won't work on my phone. It doesn't do this. It won't do that. And you just, you know, stir up everyone's emotions. If they'd have launched that app and said, folks, look, really, we want this to work. But we're we're going from a standing start. We're going to put it out there. Feedback, everything that doesn't work or seems to be wrong or is giving quirky results. And let's see if we can tweak it. And based on what feedback you give us will be able to tell you a bit better when this thing should be up and running but they don't do that mm. and then you've got in opposition so one of the things that going back to the war <laughs> going back to the war <laughs> do not take as long as it and don't mention the war but we are um, you know one of the key things there was you had this coalition where everybody had to try and work on the same you know end result and it was you know Don't try and split or give divisive comments and and what have you. And one of the things that just 2020 has just annoyed me to the extent if I I could do an Elvis where whenever he watched TV and he didn't like it, he pulled out a gun and shot the TV, (laughs) I would have gone through. I'd have gone through hundreds and hundreds of TVs this year because it was summed up this week. So Keir Starmer. The only bloke in the world who has never yet, you mentioned Ray, mm-hmm. uh, it, it's fine to criticise but give a solution. He's never proposed a solution whatsoever uh, uh, that I've ever heard. If he poured salt into a glass of water, he still wouldn't come up with a solution. It, <laughs> it is it is incredible. On, on the, I think on the Wednesday, he said the Prime Minister should cancel Christmas. He was waxing on about you know, <laughs> it's, it's ridiculous. And then the Prime Minister says, I'm going to cancel Christmas. He says, this is outrageous. How, how dare the Prime Minister cancel Christmas? The guy is a buffoon. And uh, when, when I was at school, uh, one of the teachers, he, he gave me a life lesson in one sentence to my friend. Oh, this sounds he, good. My friend, we were in geography. Now, this is A-level, so I think we were 18. And we had to sit at the front desk because we'd already been told off. Too many times so I said I need to keep my eye on you too so you can sit at the front and we're 18 <laughs> for goodness sake um, and uh, anyway he asked this question I wasn't listening particularly closely to this question anyway my my friend is uh, you know reluctantly had to give an answer and he said uh, his surname's Dufton. and he said uh, yes Dufton. and he gave this answer and I was sat there going oh good answer good answer that, I like that, that's was, that was pretty good, you got away with that, anyway the teacher just paused, he looked at him and he said, Dufton, it is better to keep your mouth shut and be thoughtful than open it and remove the doubt, <laughs> and I and I sort of turned to my mate, and I went, yeah that was a rubbish answer, it? <laughs> and uh, it was one of those things that throughout this year, throughout this year, people in power and positions have opened their mouth, and proved what an idiot they are and it is such a simple thing to to do differently and it's all in the stuff about you know what we've talked about over so many episodes the pitching is the pre-framing of the situation mm-hmm. and politicians pre-frame things so badly so badly the example that um, you know is is one that I think is I, I can't remember it's Oren Clough who who wrote books about this but it's the one where an airline is, is gonna delay a flight. Oh no, there's too many people booked on a flight. Mm. And so the announcement comes over and says, uh, okay, you know, if anyone, if anyone wishes to uh, step off and, and catch a later flight, we'll give you a $10,000 voucher <laughs> sort of thing. And you get loads of people and they go, oh no, 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 it's only kidding. Uh, it's a $10 voucher, at which point nobody wants to give up their seat. Mm. And what, what they could have done is if they'd said, uh, we'll give you a dollar. No, I'm kidding. We'll give you fifty dollars if you give up your seat. You—it's the pre-framing. What's the figure first compared mm. to what the actual offer is? Yeah, and the yeah. government consistently gives the oh, we'll give you ten thousand dollars if you do this, but then turns around and gives you ten. And it—it just—it is just so frustrating. But I, I think if you want to analyze how to pitch things, um, you only need go to uh, that. Witty, or or the other guy, you know. And when they're pr- trying to, you know, pitch data to you,
0: oh, um,
1: yeah. I, I think the only way that he could improve that pitch is if he said, "I've got seven hundred and twelve PowerPoint slides, <laughs> all of all of which need a magnifying glass." And then he only, only actually says, "No, actually, I've only got eight And people go, "Oh, thank God for that." But you know, he he doesn't. He stands up and he says, "Right, I'm going to give you some data." At which point you think, oh, okay. And then you look at it and you go, holy guacamole. Ladies and gentlemen, you could write PhDs on that one slide alone, yeah. Yeah. trying to work out what it is. How the hell are we going to take that info in? And I don't understand the point of that pitch with those figures. I don't understand why they don't just say, folks, we thought it was this, you know, and this was the size of the monster. What mm. we've done is we've opened the door and realised that the monster's big mummy is stood outside and the monster, that was the baby monster we were looking at. And now we're looking at the big mummy monster <laughs> and it is scary, <laughs> folks. It is scary and you need to stay in your house. We need it simple. Yeah. We need it simple. I think the only the only thing I saw on the news uh, the other day when they were talking about canceling Christmas was the guy they stopped in the street. Uh, it was on our local news up here in, in Leeds. And uh, they stopped him and he said, you know, what do you think about your plans for Christmas? He said, well, you know, it, it's it's caused, uh, you know, great change and it's a real shock to the system. He said, because uh, I was meant to be spending my Christmas with my mother-in-law and now I'm not allowed to woohoo. And he walked <laughs> off. Um, so, you know, there's winners and losers. There's winners yeah. and losers <laughs> out there, but... But no, t- talking about pitching and things, it really is, and Laura Koonsberg is, <laughs> Is a, a war? Uh, I, uh, I think we're deviating here. I know. but but it's it's how to how to annoy you know if, if you're going to ask questions like that uh, that that she does they are so preloaded so negative and all the rest of it and this is going out to the nation the nation is given such a negative spin on everything and I, yeah. you know when we've got when we had two people being interviewed so they'd actually taken the time to interview people who had sat there and said well we've ordered a 15 pound turkey and now there's only going to be two of us what are we meant to do and it was just like folks if, if that is the biggest issue you have got at the moment count your blessings instead of being you know pillocks count your blessings and think of other people how about cooking it chopping it up and giving it to people that don't have it what about Mm -hmm. that Mm. resolution but we don't we the media only focuses on the numpties um out there and it yeah anyway shall i shall Uh, i wind myself i'm gonna (laughs) i've realized this soapbox is quite high Uh, i might need a ladder to get down i think so i
0: think we need to yeah we need to wind up because um yeah, we're meant to be talking about what happened in 2020, right? Okay, so what happened in 2020? Well, uh, the year started off <laughs> started off fine, um, yeah. and, then, and then it went downhill from then. <clears throat> hasn't really hasn't really gone anywhere else, mind you. It does depend on what business you're in. I was once in a room with uh, about 120. Um, it was uh, investors, and the man on the stage, a guy called Darren Sherlaw, and this was 2012. So the the last, you know, the, the 2008, 2009 crash, they were wondering if it was going to be a double dip. That was the big talk at that time. Is there going to be a double dip? And he came on and said, basically, yes, there was. He'd already predicted the first one. He said, yes, there was. But then he asked a question. And he said, OK, this, this recession or depression is affecting everyone. He said, show me your hands in the room if you've lost money in this depression or recession. And about half the room put their hands up. And then he said to the others, so the ones that haven't put their hand up, are you making money? Put your hands up. And loads of hands went up. And he said, now I can predict what business you're in. And he started to do that. And he he had a flip chart and he started writing down. And then when people shouted out the things that they were in, he wrote it down and it was really ineligible. And I thought, I can hardly read his writing. That's terrible. But then he turned around to the audience and he went, No, he said, I knew the answers to this all along. And he put a slide up and on the slide were all the, a, a big line down the middle and it had winners, losers, and down there, and there was just laughter in the room. You know, everyone was just laughing because he says, look, that's everything, you know, there's still the same amount of money around. It just swishes around from different things. People are, yeah, he used the word, I think, conditioned. People are conditioned by the news. They are conditioned by <clears throat> words, news speak, I think he called it, and he started to go into a number of examples about that. You know, he said, for example, um, you know, why do we call it a war on drugs or a war on terror? Because you can't really, you know, it's, it's, it, it doesn't make any sense. And the other example he gave was, oh gosh, what can I remember? I can't remember now in the back of my head. Uh, but he used, you know, that phrases are used. Oh yeah, he talked about, uh, remember it used to be called global warming and now it's called climate change. You know, why is that? And he went into the, the reasons why uh, that, that newspapers and journalists use use certain phrases to get into the, you know, subliminally into the brains of people, because it's easier to, to I dare say the word manipulate, it's easier to move a population in a general direction when you repeat. I mean, it was, I think it was Goebbels that said, if you repeat a lie often enough, people will, and it's big enough, people will begin to believe it. Um, and I, you know, I think that's what I'm starting to think about 2020. Unfortunately, um, but
1: well, here, here's my here's my thoughts, Ray. Uh, 2021. The only way we're going to get out of this is if people get up, get out, take action, and go out and seek how to raise money for their solution yep. to the problems that are there. Um, we can't rely on government to uh, to you know dig us out of this and nope. and give us everything. It's down to each and every one of us to say, okay, we are where we are. We do the best with what we've got, where we are right now to solve this problem. And if you're looking out there and you are seeing people with a problem, then it's up to you to think of the solution for it. If you you can't do it on your own, you need to talk with other people who can help you out. If you don't have the money for it, then you need to think, okay, how much do I need? Why do I need it? How are they gonna get the return? Follow the Crest model
0: yeah and, and that is the thing about 2021
1: about, it's down to each and every one of us to do yeah. to solve this problem
0: and about entrepreneurs and developers that we deal with you know we do with a lot of small businesses a lot of developers most of them are self-employed they are the most adaptable the most resourceful people they can improvise they resolve things they have fortitude resilience and perseverance and that's what gets them through it in in that particular order no point in curling up Uh, and it's going to be the entrepreneurs of this country that are going to get things back up and running and the government, if it's there and it's still giving out that money it needs to target where where it's going to have the best effect that's why they need to bring in someone like Lord Sugar and I want to end on this one thing uh, because I see it a lot and I get a lot of people who contact me because they're looking for money but the money that they're looking for is either to, to is to pay off a loan. You know, they've already got a loan with our bank and they're getting pressure. And it might be might it might be a high street bank or it might be, you know, one of the one of the banks that's lent development finance or so on. And they're basically saying, well, we don't care what's happened out there, we want our money back. So they've contacted us to say, well, how can we raise money to pay this money back? Um, and I think what the government should start doing, and I have written to a couple of um, MPs on this, is loan hibernation. Loan hibernation. We need to hibernate uh, a, lot of, a lot of loans. Now, some, some of them have done it for people with you know credit cards, or if you've got a car loan or a mortgage, they've been able to do something like that for a period of months. But this is going on much, much longer than anyone expected. As I said on the 26th of March, it would go on for longer than expected. Because in 2008, when people were saying, "Oh, this will be over in a couple of years," all the people in the know said, "This is going to last a long, long time. And those same people in the know are saying the same thing this time. This is a game changer. You know, we're, you're looking at results coming out that, that, that are worse than 300 years of trading and all this kind of carry on. Now, that is not going to go away overnight. That has to be dealt with. And the people who can deal with it are the people who've got the entrepreneurial streak, who are adaptable and resourceful. They're the ones that are going to get us out of this. And that's where the money needs to go. And that's why I said Lord Sugar needs to be the one to distribute it. So that's my... Uh, final cap on the year let's have a 2021 let's hibernate some loans till everyone can just calm the hell down because you know they've done a few few good things where you know you you cannot for example they're not allowed to um, you know you're not allowed to to take anyone to court and they've they've made a few changes in that direction uh, where they've said that uh, yeah yeah you cannot be yeah you can't be taken to court you can't do you know There's lots of, lots of changes that they've made, but I think loan hibernation needs to come in. Definitely.
1: Definitely. You know, one of the, one of the things I'd love to see is any entrepreneurs who have recently or, you know, no matter when have have retired, I would love them to come out and just because we've got the technology uh, to get them out and just do some uh, online training for people who want to be, entrepreneurs budding entrepreneurs about to start entrepreneurs and just give a bit of their experience in terms of how you build relationships how you network how you put things together how you deal with things what to expect share their experience because I feel that uh, if we're not careful we will lose uh, a lot of these skills that are not handed down so just like you see trades people's uh, skilled craftsmen yeah. the numbers dwindle so the number of Coopers, the number of Goldsmiths, you know, whatever it might be, we need to share that, that knowledge and hand it down. And I'd love to see people who've retired recently, um, you know, give online masterclasses or just give yeah. a talk, um, because often those talks were only to uh, limited audiences in, uh, in in functions and, and events. Um, it'd be great if you could share that, if you could put that into um Uh, Colleges, universities. Uh, One of the biggest things that I think is missing is the ability to sell, and Mm -hmm. the uh, getting comfortable with selling. I'd love to see people uh, come back and share that knowledge as well. Yeah, um, you know that that is fascinating stuff because it's all about selling yourself, your idea, your business in order to raise that money. And uh, if if people can teach people how to do that, I know Thor was doing it with his uh, career gold mining. Uh, thing you know how to do that how to sell yourself to get the job Uh, I think they they are great skills that uh, we need to teach but uh, 2021 onwards and upwards
0: on that bombshell yeah what I meant to say was there was a ban on winding up procedures and there was uh, wrongful trading was suspended that's what I was meaning to say which is good things but uh, I think they need to extend it because you know how can how can you take someone to court when it's not their fault you know what I mean I mean, you know, if someone's business completely collapses, someone's be, been unable to trade at all, can't get any kind of government help, why the heck on earth then should be banks be trying to close them down? Doesn't make any sense to me. Anyway, on that bombshell, we really back have to go. Back to the
1: banks. I'll
0: come back to the banks every single time. We really have to go. All right. Uh, <laughs> I have been Ray
1: McLean. <laughs> I'm still Nigel T. Best, and we hope you are all going to stay safe and well and 2021 brings you everything you want in the meantime if you do want to leave us a review on Apple podcasts that would be amazing don't mm-hmm. forget to check out the the book that's coming out in 2021 uh, the link will be in the show notes there uh, but if you want to go to uh, www.htrmoney.co.uk forward slash book you can get yourself on the list the priority mm-hmm. list so we will notify you um, when it's coming out. Ray 2020. Woo! Goodbye.
0: <laughs> Thank you for listening to the How to Raise Money podcast. It's made for people who want to raise money as debt or investment equity for their business or property proposal or empire. The website has all the useful links and underlying research and you can get downloads of the checklists and other useful information. See you next time, where we can show you how to raise money. There is abundance. There is money enough for everyone on the planet. The question is, who has yours?